Welcome to Compelling Conversations, where law meets business. With your host, Dara L. Rosenbaum, founding partner and attorney at Rosenbaum & Taylor in New York. You can watch episodes on YouTube and listen through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. For prior episodes and free resources, go to www.rosenbaumtaylor.com backslash learn. Now here's the host of Compelling Conversations, Dara Rosenbaum. Hello and welcome to what I'm sure is going to be a compelling conversation with today's guest, Rick Baum. So by way of introduction, Rick is the owner and director of the Arlington Animal Hospital in Arlington, Vermont. AAH is a progressive small animal hospital with a specific focus on outstanding medicine and extraordinary customer service. They offer services including urgent and emergency care, soft tissue surgery, radiographic and ultrasound imaging, and dental procedures. Rick also sits on the board of EcoHealth Alliance and is the chair of the Finance Committee. EcoHealth Alliance is a global, non-governmental organization which protects the people, animals, and the environment from emerging infectious diseases. It's a nonprofit focused on research that aims to prevent pandemics and promote conservation in hotspot regions worldwide. So as you might have guessed, Rick is a veterinarian. And I will tell you something else you probably haven't guessed is that Rick is one of the owners and shareholders of the Green Bay Packers. We can ask him more about that as we go on with our conversation. So welcome, Rick. I'm very much looking forward to this conversation because I will tell you, you are the very first veterinarian we have had on the program. Well, very good. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Wonderful. So how'd you get into veterinary medicine? Is this something that, you know, as, as a child, you were, you were, you were helping the, the small animals of the neighborhood or where did that love come from? Yeah, no. So when I was in sixth grade, um, well, A, I've always loved animals. And I think that's probably the, a common thread for a lot of veterinarians. Um, mm -hmm. But I read the uh, book, All Creatures Great and Small by James Harriet um, mm -hmm. and, and realized that it's more of a a calling and a lifestyle that that appealed to me, not only just the animals, but just the the medicine behind it and uh, um, started working at a local uh, veterinarian from there. And it just kept growing from from there. And so how did you get into you know being not only a veterinarian, but obviously having your own your own animal hospital? Yeah. So uh, I went to I always grew up in upstate New York from Saratoga, then went to undergraduate at a Hartwood College in Oneonta, then to a vet school in Ithaca at Cornell. Uh, and I moved down to, to to try something different. I uh, took a position at a, a practice in Manhattan and the two people there, uh, Lou Berman and Amy Addis, were just outstanding mentors and made that uh, uh, inspired me to to. Uh, own my own practice. I didn't want to stay in the city, but I wanted to take their values and their style of practice and, and bring it someplace. So we, my wife and I moved to Maine and then we settled in this tiny little town in Arlington, Vermont, but brought in the same style of, of practice and, and medicine and surgery. Um, and it's been blossoming for the most part ever since. Now, I know I've, I've heard clients complain that like, hey, I was doing something that I completely loved or somebody else, and now I'm doing it for myself, and I've taken the joy out of it. It sounds uh -huh. like that, that sounds like that's not what you've experienced. No, you know, but the, I, I can appreciate what they're saying, because if you get focused on just one thing, but the, the uh, field or industry of veterinary medicine is transforming dramatically, um, and so it's, it's always something new and something challenging. You know, the way we practiced 10 years ago is totally different than what we're doing now. So every day is like, okay, what, what, how can you improve this? How can you change this? Or saying, Hey, here's, here's a new option for you. So it's a, 
I think it keeps it very dynamic, challenging, but but very dynamic. And how's the practice different now in the like let's say in the past 10 years? Oh, uh, so if so 30 years ago when we first opened up, my wife and I and my daughter lived above the animal hospital. We were on 24-7. Um, and that's where all these gray hairs came from. And you're <laughs> everything to everybody. I'm really 23 years old. No, there you go. <laughs> um, and and you 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 did everything. And and now we have these abilities to, um, uh, whether it's telemedicine or I can take x-rays today and say, hey, I'm not sure what I'm looking at. So I'll send them off to a specialist in California or back at Cornell. Um, and there's also an online uh, platform for veterinarians. So it's two o'clock in the morning going, I don't know what to do about this. There's people out there all over the world to to talk to. So those those are the some of the easy no-brainers. And the way we practice now is totally different. It used to be um, more of a mom and pop, a king with all his people underneath them. And now it's more of a team effort, which which is much more, much more fun, much more uh, exciting and left feeling all by yourself practicing by all alone in your silo. Now it's more of a, a team effort, which I, I love. Now, you'll forgive my ignorance, and maybe the answer is there isn't a difference, but is there a difference between being a veterinarian and having an animal hospital, or is that those, those sort of synonymous? Yeah, so there's a lot of people. You could practice at a university. You could be a veterinarian in, in so many settings, and that's one of the things I love about uh, veterinary medicine in particular. Mm-hmm. You could be doing research at a university. You could be um, a friend of mine that started an uh, online platform called the Veterinary Information you know, touch a, a cat or a dog or a horse or a cow at all. You've got this very profitable, very exciting, dynamic business that's mm-hmm. incorporating veterinary medicine and computers. Um, and he's got, I think there's probably 83,000 veterinarians on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so you can do so many things. You could be combining silos. You could do uh, small animal medicine and ultrasound and be a specialist in that capacity. You could mm-hmm. do and and be a, an attorney and say a focus on veterinary legal issues and so there's there's a, a a lot of a lot of specialties within by combining silos that is to me is really exciting uh, I will be completely candid with you in 20 plus years of practicing I have never dealt with a veterinary legal issue but now I'm looking for one I, mean, I think it'd be interesting oh there's tons out there Let me, <laughs> yeah there's tons and more coming so I yeah. think the only ones I've really ever heard of and it wouldn't be veterinary necessarily but sort of more in the order of like you know custody of animals is you know during a divorce and things like that I've yeah. heard obviously but that uh, happens or you know the, the other uh, end of your question was you can be you can own an animal hospital today mm-hmm. be a corporation or private equity and not be a veterinarian. And so okay. that opens up a whole can of worms of saying, okay, um, I have this obligation to the client, but I work for this corporation. Um, mm-hmm. What about contract issues and legal issues and breaking contracts? You need a good lawyer for that. So <laughs> Here I am. Yeah, exactly. uh, so has there, has there been, it sounds like you're, you're hinting at or suggesting that this was some sort of corporatization of veterinary medicine with, with you know, private equity coming in and things like that. Yeah. That, so that's one of the, the, huge changes probably over the last decade. Um, it used to be, again, everything was kind of a mom and pop kind of operation, one or two veterinarians. And now these veterinary hospitals have gotten bigger and it's attracted the attention of people that say, hey, I've, I've got my stocks, I got my bonds, but I want invest in something else, real estate. And veterinary hospitals happen to be a pretty, pretty safe, um, steady investment. Mm-hmm. So it started off with a um, a company uh, called VCA or Antec, and they started owning the laboratories of veterinary hospital. Then they said, well, why don't we own the hospitals that are sending us 
their lab supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they've grown into thousands of hospitals. Um, and then in the last probably five years, more and more groups are getting getting into that. So it's it's changing the face of veterinary medicine, um, sometimes for good, sometimes for not good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also one of these things that gets really exciting to say, okay, um, the way we're going to be doing business today is going to be way different than we're going to do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you're balancing being himself a practicing veterinarian and then owning the animal hospital. So how, how do you navigate that? How do, how, how do you practice sort of being in the profession and then also being a business, business owner? So, so one thing we did, I did about 10 years ago is look back saying, yeah, this, the business of veterinary medicine is, is changing. And instead of saying, wearing all the hats myself, I started, um, running it more like a like a, a business. So I've got uh, outstanding people all around me that I don't have to make all the decisions or do all the research or do all the work myself. I can just uh, surround myself with people that have the same vested interest. So I've got an outstanding practice manager. Um, I've got a two great associates. I've got a team of licensed technicians and assistants behind that. And uh, we all work together uh, to make everything happen. And again, it was way different than when I started um, my first animal hospital 30 years ago. And I think that's obviously an issue that, that cuts across all kinds of industries is that that idea of going from being the practicing professional to building a team. So yeah. how did you do that? And how did you do that in rural Vermont? Yeah. So uh, making a lot of mistakes is, is one way. So, <laughs> As yeah. have we all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it is challenging. So in, in rural Vermont, we uh, you st- started off very small. We were going to build a Taj Mahal or the next... Uh, um, Microsoft, but we start off really small. It might, it might have stuck out on the landscape, huh? That's very true. <laughs> so, um, but we find good people, uh, people with potential, and then um, started to saying, okay, let's let's develop. Put a lot of time into developing people, um, hiring people that are nice to work with, fun to work with, that are hardworking, and also want to go someplace. And um, we've been slowly developing a, a reputation for for bringing those people in. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. We've had, we've, we've had um, uh, to, to move some people off the bus that just didn't ready for where we were going. At the mm-hmm. same time, we've hired people saying, I'm not sure what, what this person is going to do, but they seem to have all, some great talents. And then we found a niche for them, like, boom, they just took off. And so yeah. um, it's, but it's the hardest thing for, for veterinarians is to let go to let go of the power because you're so used to being in control of everything. And now you got to trust, develop, train, um, and then let those people do their job. And uh, that's once you do that, it, it takes on a life of its own. I'll tell you though, you're, you're not alone. It's also, it's also hard for attorneys and hard for lots of other business owners I work with. So yeah, that's sort of yeah. letting go of the, and especially when you're growing a business, when you're starting a business that's, you know, small and it's just you, or at least it's small enough that you can have your hands on everything and you can, you can know everything that's going on and you get to a critical size where, you know, yeah, like you said, you have to trust your practice manager or somebody else who's in the practice or another veterinarian to make decisions where, you know, you're not intimately involved with every, every decision in the case, exactly. you know, in the, uh, in the place. And they're going to make mistakes and be be okay with that, as if you and I never made mistakes. Like, well, I can think of a zillion mistakes, and that's just for breakfast. Um, and so when they make mistakes, say, okay, what did we learn from this, as opposed to, boy, I shouldn't have trusted you. Again, mm-hmm. It's building the trust. That's the most important thing. And communication. Mm-hmm. Um, saying, hey, what are the expectations? And holding people accountable. I'm horrible at that. So I surround, my pe- surround myself with people that are good at doing that. And it makes it just easier for everybody. Capitalizing people's skill sets, their strength, as opposed to punishing them for their weaknesses. Yeah. 
And sometimes you see not only like I shouldn't have trusted you with that, but you see sometimes a complete backslide of, well, I can't trust anybody with anything. So I'm going to do it all myself. Yes, exactly. And that, that just crashes and burns. Or again, again, it just makes you so stressed that life becomes unfun. Right. And, uh, as soon as you and start then you're, and, you're, them, and you're 23 with a head of beautiful silver exactly, hair. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, a stomach ulcer in this. And so since we started delegating and empowering people um, and sharing the benefits as and, and sharing the burdens too. You know, when someone makes a mistake and say, hey, let, let's just be supportive, um, then then it, that's when medicine became fun. Mm-hmm. So. And that's what I think anything, anything becomes fun. I mean, I, I talked to, talk to a lot of, you know, sort of growing entrepreneurs and new entrepreneurs and small business owners who say, you know, I, I want to grow this, but I'm not sure how. It's like, well, you know, sometimes it really just starts with, well, you can't do everything yourself. Yeah. You know, I let that sit for a while because you're really not going to be able to do everything yourself. You know, you can't be, you know, I, I joke around that when I first started this business, I was literally the one ordering the pencil because it was like, uh-huh. well, Exactly. I can just do that. It's like, I don't order the pencils better than anyone else does. And clearly, you know, everybody has their role and other people can be ordering pencils and doing other things that, you know, when I'm better using my time elsewhere. So I think that that's a lesson that everybody can learn, regardless of what field you're in, is the, you know, you really can't grow until you have the right team around you. Exactly. Exactly. How do you go about, I mean, are you, are you, is it easy to find veterinarians in rural Vermont? I mean, are you finding people are in the area? Are they moving there? How are you doing your recruiting? So what's, what's interesting is uh, if you asked me 10 years ago, you know, there was talk whether there's too many veterinarians. There was a surplus. And oh. um, whether it was COVID or, or a lot of, they say, you know, we just weren't managing ourselves while we were, we were busy, um, but there really wasn't enough of us. And now there's uh, a sh- a shortage across the across the nation, mm-hmm. and, and maybe maybe beyond that, um, which is which is good in one sense, it's great for business, but it's it's also stressful. Um, and then in uh, the Atlantic Magazine, they they highlighted this over I think their August issue of saying, "Geez, where did where did this come from and why?" And then why is it if I go into my emergency room, they'll get me in in ten minutes for humans, but if I take my dog to the emergency clinic, it's a six hour wait. And so I would, Problem is, there's just not a not enough of them. So, um, what we've done is is started before the shortage got here and saying, okay, how how can we have a make a position that's flexible, fun, um, and intriguing? And this found the right the right people. People search us out. So we we haven't we're not actively searching, but if someone came up to me and said, hey, I'm looking for a position, we'd say, well, let's see what we can we can do. Um, mm-hmm. I've got two great associates. Um, who need a lot of flexibility. And instead of saying, nope, you're gonna work nine to five, you're gonna do this, that, and the other thing, just the way I did it. And it's uphill to school both ways. And mm-hmm. so let's, in, let's, the, in the snow, barefoot, all You want flexibility, what does that mean? How mm-hmm. can we use that? So one associate has three kids that are in from elementary school to high school, wants time off in the afternoons to go to sporting events and pick up the kids. The other one says, hey, I'm, my kids are out of college. I'd rather sleep in a little bit in the mornings and ease into my day. So she comes in the afternoon. So they overlap each other and it works out great. Mm-hmm. Um, one wants to go on vacation, take the kids out for uh, a week and say, hey, not a problem. We got people to fill in here. Let's just make it happen as opposed to stick to these firm, firm guidelines. And I think that's what a lot of people have been struggling with, even, you know, recently and, you know, 10 years, whatever amount of time. I think it's a constant struggle to try to figure out you know, what is the what does the office environment look like? How flexible can we be without being pushovers or without sacrificing the quality and the and the service that you're providing or the product that you're providing? So it sounds like you've really kind of found that special formula. 
We did. And I, I, you steal a lot of ideas from other people. And, and, and you're always worried that saying, oh, my, uh, what about the trust? What if they're working from home? Are they going to do a job? And quite honestly, they're they're doing a great job. If, mm-hmm. if you hire the right people, you don't worry about the, the trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, take, it takes a lot to get there, though. I think and you're always kind of cynical. You're trying to do that control thing. And then once you let it go and you start trusting people and then they, they prove to you that they got it. They're going to do a better job than you anticipated. Certainly a better job than I would do. Yeah. Um, it's a big difference. And I, and I see that in other, other places uh, uh, as well, but it takes a lot to, to get there. Yeah, mostly getting ourselves there. Mm-hmm. So like, like a lot of business owners, you're stealing in all the best ways you're stealing from, you know, good ideas from other people. Exactly. Stealing all the ideas. And then, you know, you fish with the right bait and the people, the fish come to you. And that's, that's what we've had. You know, that licensed technicians are very hard to find. And we just hired our, fourth one um, mm-hmm. who came to us from another place. And and it's not that we were doing anything different. They were just unhappy at their other position. They said, hey, there's a place for me to grow here. Um, and so we just said, yeah, let's let's hire them and we'll figure out what you want to do and move forward from there. And it's been it's been been great. I mean, you're definitely an example I want to use with my clients because if you can find good talent and, you know, in an, an area that's not quite as populous as perhaps New York yeah. um, or at least New York City. You know, if, if you can find good talent and build a great team in Arlington, Vermont, I would think that, you know, with the right strategy, most people can do it anywhere. Yeah, that's I think that's that's definitely true. You know, it's funny that that if you joke around, we say, you know, the problem is usually not the problem. It's your attitude about the problem, which we said, hey, why don't we just make some place that people want to come to as mm-hmm. opposed to spending all this money trying to recruit people? As yeah. soon as we kind of did that, like, oh, my gosh. We were fishing with the wrong bait. So, mm-hmm. so and uh, now it's, now it's, I don't say it's easy. It's still a challenge because you said, hey, you got to find a veterinarian in the next three months. We're going, that's probably not going to happen. But right. at the same time, we don't have any room for them. So, mm-hmm. um, but we'll, we'll start thinking now about how we can find that position to find that position, what they're looking for and develop that now. So when the right person comes along, it'll be, it'll be much easier. Mm-hmm. And what kind of relationships do you have with other veterinarians or other animal hospitals so that you get that, that those theft opportunities for the good ideas? So it's funny. That's, we have a great a great reputation. So um, I used to work at an emergency clinic about 40 miles from here, near closer to Albany, New York. And they did that on Thursdays and Sundays. Um, they helped pay the bills and save for my daughter's uh, college education. But it was also mentally stimulating. And from that, you develop uh, the same camaraderie of everybody in the trenches together. And then we had a, a Hurricane Irene came through Vermont, um, and, and one of our local practitioners' uh, building got, got flooded. So instead of saying, well, that's your problem, we said, well, how can we help you? And so send us whatever we can do to help you out. And that's by reaching out to people and not looking at them as uh, the competition, but saying, hey, these are colleagues. We're, trying to, we're fighting the same fight together, so why don't we work together on it? Mm-hmm. It's, been, it's been really easy. By the way, I don't think you can have a daughter who's in college because you just told me you're 23. So where I'm, well, I, I might have misrepresented. Oh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I'm 57. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds it's very interesting because I think you know what I hear from a lot of people is that that competitive spirit, that whole you know, hey, it's an opportunity for me. You know, he's flooded out, and I can you know I can really provide excellent service to his clients and and, and the animals that he was service that he was serving, and you know maybe they'll stay with me. It sounds to me like your approach was very different, which was sort of more of a community approach, which I think some people definitely shy away from. Yeah. And, and, and sharing, sharing conversations like this, sharing our secrets. And we do that all the time. Because again, if you, if it's a 
me only king and it's a it's a win-loss relationship no one no one wins right um, and so even with my associates saying hey i want to go try this out but well, let's try and see how it goes and uh the more we look for the win-win it works out works out great especially I, mean, I, keep, I keep going back to the size obviously of your you know the area that you practice in but i think it, it's important because you think about it when you have you know you ha you have probably fewer direct competitors in a reasonable geographic area than many other people who i deal with you yeah. know in you know downstate new york new jersey i'm seeing a lot of people who are like well if i can you know if i can overtake the guy who's ahead of me i'm that much better but even with it, sort of even with a small community where you could essentially you could make yourself a lot bigger and a lot more successful, sort of, you know, stepping on the people around you. It sounds like you you feel, at least from what I can gather, that that's not the path to your success. Not def definitely not. And it's something I learned from that very first practice at the uh, the Park East Animal Hospital it used to be on 64th and Park Avenue. Mm -hmm. Both Lou Berman and Amy Addis, they could have especially. Uh, Amy Addis, she took me under her wing as opposed to saying, oh, no, another associate competition, um, which is why we're still great friends today. But mm -hmm. they they built that thing saying, well, if we work together on this, um, we we all win. And uh, which is why we stay in touch this many years later. Mm -hmm. and, and we say it in our business, too, where, you know, either the barrel rolls where sometimes you're on top and sometimes you're on the bottom. Right. Or, you know, be careful because the relationship that you think you can exploit today is going to be the relationship that you need tomorrow. Absolutely. Today, you Absolutely. can take advantage of somebody because you know they're in, they're in a time pinch and they need they need more time and a deadline that you could extend to them. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you just think about the fact that if you say no, you're never getting that you're never getting that courtesy from somebody else. So three years down the road, when you didn't anticipate you'd ever need that person, suddenly you're in a different relationship and you've got a problem. Exactly, and, and I would say it the, it has been reciprocated to me. Um, as, as much or more than I have reciprocated to others. People come saying, hey, I'm seeing this client that you saw here. I'm thinking this, like, oh, I didn't I didn't see that coming. And um, because the patients don't tell you everything. So sometimes things unfold and um, that team spirit has, has been reciprocated on, on many, many times over. I have to hear, I have to tell you, it's funny for me to hear that, that from a veterinarian, the patients don't tell you everything because... <laughs> Yeah, that's very, very true. There's a, there's a little bit of Dr. Google in there. I imagine it's the, uh, it's, it's sort of the, uh, you know, there are moms and dads and um, and owners who are probably the ones giving the information. I'm just picturing yeah. the talking dog. And, and many times they don't know either. You know, right. They say, no one says, hey, I was out eating rat poison the other day and now I'm not feeling so good. That has <laughs> never happened yet. So you have to kind of like, is this a possibility? Like, oh, let's start looking at at this. So, if you can start getting that kind of information from the dogs and cats, I mean, I think you've got a you got a gold mine there. Exactly, we, we would be much more efficient. That's right. <laughs> so, what's the vision for Arlington Animal Hospital? Are you are you, are you staying your same size? Do you want to grow? You want to you want to acquire other hospitals? What's the thought? So, so it's funny you should say that because we just had a, a team meeting. We do we meet the whole team gets together once a month. Um, and we've outgrown our space. If, if I showed you a picture of a parking lot, it's a, it's a disaster. Um, and the, we said, well, we hired a design firm and they said, well, we could put an addition here and tweak this building here. But they said, you know, it's going to be like putting lipstick on a pig. You're still going to have all the same issues. It's just going to look a little prettier. So they said, what if we build a building behind your building that's much more functional, spread out, much more efficient, has a second floor, could accommodate more veterinarians and more exam space, more room for staff and more room for teaching and developing. Would you be interested? And we floated to the group and like, yeah, they were all in all on board. So we're just sketching out that that uh, 
early process. But the fact that we talked about the challenges, we talked about, we don't know what we're going to know. So this is going to be stressful, mm-hmm. but they're all excited by it. So we'd like to be probably four, three to four or five veterinarians with a full support staff behind them, mostly to um, increase the flexibility. As you can say, I've got a lot of other irons in the fire projects I like to do in teaching and developing and mentoring. So I don't want to be seeing clients all day and my associates, the same, the same thing. But if we got enough of us there, the client, the continuity to clients, because we do things as a team is there, but the, the ability to explore more options is there as well. So that's, that's our, our 10 year, five year goal. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you the lipstick on a pig comment made me think of veterinary cosmetology. I think there's an opportunity there for you. No one has explored that opportunity. <laughs> and I think that's, that's just a market dying to be tapped. <laughs> I'm picturing like, you know, microblading eyebrows on dogs. Exactly. Little yeah. piggy Botox here. And exactly. So. Exactly. You got those, um, what are the, the Sharpays with all the wrinkles and a little Botox? Exactly. See, it's again, just a market waiting to be tapped. That's right. You and I can brainstorm. So you mentioned mentoring, which is which is really close to my heart. And I will tell you, there's a young woman who I've been mentoring who's actually just off the side here watching us, uh, who's become a friend and is now an employee of mine. Um, so I, I love mentoring. I believe really wholeheartedly in it. What kind of role does that play in terms of your, your of your practice and in terms of your life? Yeah. So so what's interesting is if I if I go back to those that first day, um, the Amy Addis took me under her wing mm-hmm. Um and the the mentoring that she provided, I didn't. We didn't know it was mentoring back then, but it turns out that's what it what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could still think about the time I'd been there for a couple of months, and I was the new guy, but I thought I had all this knowledge. I told her, you know, Amy, I think that uh, clients like me, but they still want to turn to Dr. Berman and and you for for final opinion. And I go, what am I doing wrong? And she said, uh, instead of saying, well, that's just the way it is, she said. Mm-hmm. This is what you need to do. I still had all my college clothes, meaning, you know, blue, not blue jeans, but pants with worn knees and freighted collars. She goes, I want you to go out this weekend and spend $100 and get a new pair of pants. And of course, being fresh out of college, like, for $100, I can get four pairs of pants. And she's like, no, no, I don't want you to get those kind of pants. I want you to get something that looks professional. Mm-hmm. And I did that and it was like a light switch. And wow. I said, so she didn't have to do that. And it was a, a unique insight of saying you're, you're, you dress like you're in college. And that's why people don't trust you. Mm-hmm. And so it's taking that kind of insight that today of saying, Hey, you're, what you're doing is good, but did you consider this as opposed to saying you have to do it this way? Now mm-hmm. we say, what could we have done differently? And that's, that's what I, uh, what I love now. And, and I also like the idea that Dr. Addis wasn't saying like, well, you know, if they keep thinking that he's like the low guy on the totem pole, then that that elevates me. So I'm not going to tell him what I'm not going to tell him that he looks like he rolled out of bed at college. Exactly. Exactly. And so that uh, and that's I say, OK, she cared about me first and then about what we, we were doing as a team. And then we started working as a team. We pushed our desk together so we'd have more of a direct conversation in the, our little associate's office. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that's why I got the idea of saying they're not your clients and my clients, they're our clients and let's work together on figuring these out. And so in our uh, our office at uh, the animal hospital and then now um, my associate, uh, Amy uh, Emily Dowd, our desks are three feet from each other. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, don't you want your own office? Well, we kind of like it like this. So we can turn to each other saying, what do you think about this blood work? What do you think about this x-ray? And, or right. I, I'm not communicating well with this client and it works out great for us. It's crowded, don't get me wrong, but we kind of like it that way, so. Mm-hmm. 
even if we build a new building, we're going to do it. So there's a lot of collaboration. But I love the, I love the idea of taking something from a prior employer or employment, prior employment experience and applying that in the way that you feel it works best. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that I think there's so much value business. in that, you know, especially for, for, you know, small business owners and entrepreneurs who are starting their own thing or building their own business. It's like, okay, you know, think about what you saw that worked and what you saw that didn't work so well. And it's, it's so nice to have those experiences you can draw on because you can just build on them and make them better. Exactly. You know, what's funny is that this is probably about 10, 15 years ago. I got a call from the associates, uh, two associates on an emergency case late at night. Um, and they felt more comfortable calling us to say, Hey, could what should we do for this? Could you come down and help us out? We said, yeah, absolutely. As opposed to the owner of their own business or their own practice. Oh, they, they don't want us to call them at home at this hour. I'm like, well, sure. We'll come on down. It right. turned out it worked out great, but it's just like, wow, that's that nice saying people do appreciate it. They may not say thank you every time, but I think in the bigger picture, they do, they do appreciate it. And they look right. back and say, yeah, that was a, Thanks for the help. I really right. appreciate the guidance. And there are people that you then have that relationship with, so you know you can count on if you needed an extra pair of hands at some point. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's great to build those relationships. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. All right. So we have to ask. I have to ask about the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> okay. So, well, so it's uh, uh, my wife's family is originally from uh, Michigan, from Appleton, Michigan, which ironically is where the opposing team, when they come to play the Packers in Green Bay, that's where they stay. Okay. So, her father was a huge Green Bay fan. She's a huge Green Bay fan. Mm -hmm. So uh, we started going out for uh, at least one game a year. We watch them every every Sunday. Um, good seasons are bad. Um, and when they had their uh, stock offering, um, mm -hmm. she got me a, a share and I got her a share. And we didn't know her. We like, how did you know I was giving this to you? And she's like, <laughs> we didn't. So, but we kind of joked. So we went to a stadium tour out in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. And the um, person that was giving the tour, hey, you think like a stadium tour, that's going to be boring. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, but the the best part about it was he's like, you're going to be given a tour today by one of the owners of the Green Bay Packers. At the time, he goes, we're one of 350,000 owners. So don't think it's anything special. But um, it was great. So um, we're going to go out for the last game in January. Um, and if it's snowing cold, so much, so much the better. Got it. It's part of the experience out there, right? Yeah. So, so two of about half a million owners of the Green Bay Packers. Yes, exactly. We'll be we'll be in attendance. <laughs> so you're, you're not getting sideline passes for me anytime soon. No, but you you laugh that uh, uh, my our accountant, his firm looks after the uh, accounting for the Green Bay Packers. Mm -hmm. And last year he goes, "Hey, uh, how you guys feeling about coming out a little early?" I'm like, "Sure, why?" He goes, "I can't tell you." But just meet me here before the game. Okay. Got us down onto the sidelines where the team was warming up. Oh, that's pretty cool. Eyes were like this big. Like the, she was so happy. And that's, it was awesome. That is pretty cool. Yeah. That's Couldn't stay cool. for the whole game, but it was it was it was awesome. That's really good. That's, that's pretty cool. That's a great experience. Yeah. So Ricky, obviously, you know, not not just in the veterinary world, but it sounds to me like you're I mean, I love the experiences then the you know, the advice that you share across, you know, different you know, different platforms and different industries where, you know, a lot of the same principles for building a business, regardless of whether you're taking care of, you know, animals or construction sites or graphic design clients or attorney, you know, legal clients. So where can people find you if they wanted to reach out and get to know you better? So we're, if you just Google Arlington Animal Hospital, Arlington, Vermont, if you Google just Arlington Animal Hospital, there's a zillion of them. We get calls from Virginia and Massachusetts all the time. So <laughs> 
I don't think you got the right hospital, but we're on we're online uh, all the time, and we're we we're we're pretty active. So if we call with questions. Um, we talk to people all the time. Try to help out people. We're we're uh, uh, it's hard to get in now because it's just been very very busy. But we're happy to try to help out people wherever wherever we can. Perfect. That sounds wonderful. Well, thank you very much for sharing all that information today, and it was a pleasure speaking with you. Great talking to you. Take care. Have a good weekend. Bye bye. Bye bye.